Good, good. God is so good. Amen. Can we open up to Jonah 4, verses 1 through 4, and say amen when we're there? I didn't hear that many amens. You guys there? All right. I heard you guys worshiping. I know y'all can get louder. Smothers is passing out Bibles, too. If you guys didn't come with the Bible, please raise your hand. He'll take great care of you. All right. Let's dive right in. It says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. He came angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing the Tarshish. I knew that you are gracious and a compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's already a great morning, Lord. I thank you for the amazing worship. It's just amazing. I can't wait to see what heaven's going to sound like, Father God with all the angels singing and rejoicing, Father God. I pray today that we turn from our wicked ways and we come to you. We have a deeper relationship with you, but also the things that we used to love that we thought were fun, that we'd get rid of them and we do the more godly things. Lord, remove my words and replace them with yours and use me as a mouthpiece and vessel for you, Father God, and no one else. All God's people said amen. Amen. So what would happen if... In this church, right, or, or any church, if God moved in a mighty way, right, if thousands or hundreds of people came forward and asked for repentance, man, many of us would be rejoicing. Many of us would be so ecstatic. But if we're being honest here today, too, several of us would be very judgmental. Oh, dude, I don't know. That guy was an ex-con, dude. How God going to forgive him? I don't know. Did you just see last week what he was doing? Like so many of us forget the mercy and grace that God had for us, but we don't lend that same mercy and grace to others. And guess what? In Jonah 4, we see the same thing. We see this become a reality. Because you understand, this story was more than what people think of it as one. Most people think of Jonah just a story, a kid story, right? And a guy getting swallowed by a big fish. It was more than that. This story shows us a loving, a compassionate God who desires every single person on earth to turn from their wicked ways and their sins and to be forgiven. So first, we're going to dive right into your notes. Jesus' death and resurrection brought us back to life. He gave us a second chance. God never's like, dude, your prayers need to stop. <laughs> he never stops answering our prayers. He never stops saying, hey, come to me with all your prayer requests, whatever the case may be. We can always go to God. And to me, that's amazing. In Jonah chapter 1, a little recap of the first three Jonahs. Jonah ran from our loving God. In Jonah chapter 2, as Jonah was sitting uncomfortably, like I mentioned, inside of the well, he actually ran to our loving God. And in chapter 3, Jonah obeyed God's command. After being vomited up by the well, God gave Jonah a second chance to go to Nineveh and preach God's message to them. And finally, finally, this time, Jonah actually obeyed God. And and in chapter 3, we see that um, he actually ran with God. And amazingly, the whole city of over 120,000 people of Nineveh, they listened, not only listened to Jonah's message, 
but they repented from their sin and wickedness, and God chose to forgive them. Now, this would have been an awesome ending, huh? This would have been so cool. Like, Jonah would have got all this glory for being such a great servant, a great prophet, but we see something just flipped here, right? It ends so crazy because, sadly, here we see in chapter 4, as Jonah witnesses God's mercy in the first three and grace of people, Jonah will choose actually the opposite. He'll choose to run against God. But you guys, something that I thought about is that we need to actually pay very careful attention to what Jonah does in this chapter. Because the truth and the reality is sometimes you and I as Christians do the same exact thing to our Lord and Savior. Myself included. After chapter 3, Jonah should be on this spiritual high as he had the opportunity to speak and share the gospel to 120,000 people. And they were turning away from their wicked ways. As a servant, as a follower of Christ, as someone who preaches for for Dane, who comes up here, man, I'd be crying if that was the case. But Jonah, he's actually the opposite. He's actually ticked off. He's mad at God. He's upset with Christ. And you ask maybe, why is Jonah mad? He didn't believe that their repentance was genuine. He didn't believe that it was authentic. He was displeased that God did not bring disaster on Jonah's enemies. So he's angry with God for showing too much mercy and compassion by forgiving and not destroying them. Now, I don't know about you. I've been in a situation before where this has happened to me. Where it's like, man, you know what? My aunt, my uncle, my whatever the case may be, they really suck. <laughs> they really are rude. They're really evil people. How could you forgive them, Lord, when I've been following you for a lot longer than them? Some of you, can I get some amens on that or am I by myself? Right? That's the truth. That's the reality is that it's so easy to blame God for allowing him to do what he does best, which is showing mercy, showing compassion, and forgiving others and forgiving Nineveh because we forget that we are forgiven. We forget how powerful the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ actually is and was today and forever will be when we're dead and gone. With our Lord and Savior. It was a strange act, right? What Jonah did. This is so weird, huh? This is like, could you imagine if people here today, this morning at church, if they're coming up front asking for forgiveness and repenting and the whole congregation was ticked off? Could you even fathom that? If I'm like, dude, why are you coming up for prayer? I don't want to pray for you. First of all, you'd never come back to the church. You'd probably burn it to the floor and I wouldn't blame you. Secondly, this is what's happening with Jonah because he was bitter, he was upset, he was angry, and he didn't understand the passion and the mercy and the grace for others, and he only wanted it for himself. Some of us here this morning came here only wanting forgiveness for ourselves and not that same forgiveness for others. But I'm here today to share with you that's what's so amazing for God. No matter what you're going through, no matter what sin that you came here with this morning or what sin you already committed, Jesus, this is the thing that is so amazing about Jesus. He died to bury all of mankind's sin. Not just some, not just select ones that he picked. Not just Jonah's, not just Nineveh's, not just Alan's, but all of it. Next in your notes, the death of Jesus doesn't just save us from some sins. He saves us for all of them. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The only thing we can't go to heaven for, obviously... Rejecting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. As some of you probably here came here today and you 
might have rejected him, but I'm here today to share with you that our God is too good and too big to reject anymore, and he wants you to come here this morning to repent from your wicked ways and turn to him. The good thing about our Lord and Savior, too, is he knows our hearts more than anyone else because he knit us together. He created us. He's our creator. He created the heavens and earth. That's what it tells us in Luke 16, 15 about our heart. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. But God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. What we see here in these first four verses, actually all 11, but we'll get to the next seven quickly. Jonah was being hypocritical. He was okay with God having mercy on him in chapter 1 when he had seaweed wrapped around his head and he was about to drown. Jonah was content when God had mercy on him in chapter 2 when he was tired of sitting inside a well's stomach. And Jonah was content and he was fine and he was good with God having grace on him in chapter 3 when God had a, gave him a second chance to t- carry out God's marching orders to preach to Nineveh. But here in chapter 4, Jonah wanted nothing, nothing to do with God. Showing that same kind of mercy and grace and compassion to the people of Nineveh. But you know what? Jonah is a reminder to all of us that we're quick to receive God's mercy and grace when we sinned against him. But we are very slow to share that mercy and grace with those who sin against us, me included. All of us here have a little bit of Jonah, and most of us have a lot of bit of Jonah in us. Amen. Fill in the blank. It's easy to dismiss our own sin and focus on others. Ouch, that hurts, but sometimes truth hurts. <laughs> and that's a reality, isn't it? That, that it is so easy to dismiss our own sin, to write off our own and focus on others. But church, that's why we must focus on our own relationship with Christ. It is a one-on-one re- relationship with Jesus Christ. And we must be the best image of Jesus Christ every single day. And it starts with us. In verse 2, in chapter 4, Jonah didn't want to live anymore. As In fact, he made it very clear because he said three times in this passage he'd rather die after knowing God, that God was gracious, compassionate, and slow to anger. He was being self-centered, Jonah, wasn't he? And he took off to Tarshish because Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh because he knew the characteristics of God. He knew that God was gracious and compassionate. He knew that he was slow to anger and abounding in kindness. He knew that God would forgive Nineveh if they turned from their wicked ways and sought the ways of the Lord. But here's the bottom line. God is always good. And Jonah is not, and neither are we. Neither is we. We are messed up. We are sinners saved by God's gracious love. And this is a hard lesson to learn sometimes how bad we are. (laughs) But how great God is. It's a hard lesson for all of us to learn at times. Because if we're honest, there's a little Jonah in all of us and a lot of Jonah in most of us. Fill in the blank if we can. How quickly we forget the blessings, the mercy, and grace that God has given us. So many times. 
we ask God, can you really take control of this situation? I'm really struggling with forgiveness. I'm really struggling with liking this person. I'm really struggling with my pain. I'm really struggling with paying bills. Can you do something? But I'm here today to share with you that he knows what's best for us. Even when it's hard for us to acknowledge that he's even taking care of us. And sometimes I think to myself, man, Lord, this whole time when I was questioning you, you were doing stuff that I didn't even know you were doing. Because you were more caring about my relationship than my comfort level. That's important about Jesus. He cares more about our relationship with him than our comfort level. And oftentimes we see more than not is God will do unprecedented, unpredictable, and extraordinary things. And sometimes they are things we don't want him to do. (laughs) Sometimes they are things we don't want to do. Sometimes he's telling us something and we're like, dude, no, that has to be for someone else, bro. That is not me. You would not make Alan do that. I am not going to forgive that person. I am not going there. Fine, Lord, I'll do it. Fine. After time, right? How many times does he have to grab our attention, though, y'all? How many times? But look at this passage of Scripture with me. Romans 5, 3 through 5, most of you know it. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces my favorite word, perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So when trials come, when pain come, not if they come, but when they come, amen. When troubles come, God is always more concerned with our character more than he is with our comfort. And a lot of us are too comfortable in our walk with Jesus Christ. But guess what, guys? We should not be comfortable. We, could be, we should be always, every single day, growing and molding into the image of Jesus Christ until he takes us home. Bottom line. Maybe we need some attitude adjustment here today. Maybe we're so grouchy about every little thing. Maybe we need a change of heart. Are we listening? Are we learning of what God is telling us to do and trying to teach us? Through our pain, through our suffering, through the misery, through the valleys. Because guess what? Bottom line is God is in charge. You're not and I'm not. Because God doesn't ask for permission. Have you noticed that about God? He's not like, Alan, do you think I should do this? Ooh, I don't know. I'm kind of, ooh. Nope, he just does it. And often, more than not, it's like, he just did it. Okay. All right, what do you want to teach me this time? Okay, patience, okay. I better get on my brakes and be prepared for what you're going to teach me, right? Like, oh, okay, you're going to teach me forgiveness, but this guy really just ticked me off on the 91 freeway. Come on now, are you serious, Lord? Guys, the great thing about God is he is God and we are not. He's control and we are not. He forgives and many times we don't. We have a hard time doing it. But look at the question God does ask Jonah in verse 1. He says, just so awesome of how Jesus talks, man. Do you have good reason to be angry? Do you have good reason? Now, I don't know what you're going through this morning, but God always does, man. There's no hiding from it. Uh, You know, some of us here this morning are probably really good in hiding seek, but there's no hide and seek with Jesus Christ. He knows all. You might be trying to hide your sins, but he's all-knowing. There's no hiding from him. Notice that Jonah never answers God at this point. He never says anything. 
Let's pick up the story again and read verses 5 through 11. It says, Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord God appointed a plant. He grew it up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant, but God appointed a worm. When dawn came the next day, it attacked the plant and it withered. When the sun came up and God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry even to death. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand as well as many animals? We see the beginning in verse 5 that now... Jonah leaves Nineveh, and he's still holding on hope against hope that God will destroy the city. But God's like, no. Yeah, twice. But God has other plans. Three things happened that were appointed by God. Do we remember what they were? The first one is God appoints a vine. The second, in verse 7, is God appoints a worm. And in verse 8, God appoints a scorching east wind. Now, like Jonah, right, in the beginning, Jonah's eyes, the vine was good, man, because it gave him shade. And the worm was bad because it chewed up the vine. The east wind was even worse because it caused him great discomfort. Yet, all three of these things, the vine, the worm, and the scorching wind, they all came from God. The same God who appointed the vine also appointed the worm and also appointed the scorching wind. The real question boils down to this church family, Jonah and us. Do we only love God when he gives us what we want? Do we only act like God is a genie? And we say, Lord, well, you didn't give me this, so I'm ticked off, so I'm leaving off to Tarshish. And I don't want nothing to do with you because I've been asking for this great career, and yet you're letting me work at Del Taco. Lord, I asked for a special spouse. You haven't given me one yet. I've asked for a child and we're unable to have kids, whatever the case may be. But, dude, hold on, because sometimes the greatest growth in our walk in Jesus Christ is when we're empty and when we have nothing to hold on to. And we cry out to God saying, Lord, I don't get it. I'm holding on for dear life. And the best worship is when we're able to barely lift our hands in praise. But it's so hard, but it's so rewarding when we're discomfortable and uncomfortable. Because there is something in an uncomfortable walk with Jesus Christ that makes our relationship stronger when we're able to praise him in the roughest moments of our entire life. Growth develops. Maturity happens. Faith gets stronger. Philippians 12, 2-13 tells us, it says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, 
Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his purpose. And write to Romans 12, 2 off of that. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now what I think about is that is that God is work in us and through us and he's not finished with us yet. Our race has just begun for some of us. And he wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. He wants us to change the way that we think about things. Our perspective, I say that a lot because when storms come, when trials come, it doesn't mean we can't mourn. It it doesn't mean that we can't be sad. It doesn't mean that it can't be hard or difficult because it is. Life is hell sometimes, isn't it? But it's choosing to trust what the word of God says anyways, that when I am weak, Lord, you are strong. Lord, I can't do this anymore. You need to do it for me because I can't. I don't have the strength anymore. I am too weak, Lord, to do this. And then I'm thinking of, man, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because it's not our own strength. We can't do it on our own anymore. But, Lord, we surrender it to you, Father God, because we know of one person who can, who carried the weight of the world on his shoulders 2,000 years ago, and his name is Jesus. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. What's so cool about God is, too, man, he knows how to deal with wicked sinners. And then you're asking, well, how does he deal with those holier-than-thou folks at church here this morning? We're all sinners, man. We are all messed up. Church is a hospital for the sick, man. It truly is. We're on St. Mary's who loves Jesus. He saves them too. That's the answer. But he wants us to be more like himself. And he humbles them, knowing there's more work to do with them and me as long as we have the breath of Jesus residing in our lungs. Because I don't know one perfect person because there is none. There's only one Jesus who is one without sin. God is in the life-changing, redemption-saving, and transformation business. God is transforming us, changing us, and he's preparing us. And my favorite, he's equipping us for heaven. He's equipping us for heaven and eternal glory, therefore, therefore. Fill in the blank. We want to be forgiven, but we struggle with forgiving others. Okay, you guys know me. I'm always honest. Can I be super honest this morning about myself? Ah, forgiveness. Hmm. Man, as I prepare, I'm like, Lord, you always do this. Whenever I'm going to get a sermon, you speak to me too. You really have to speak to me this morning about this? Dude, I'm number one. When someone hurts me in my family and it's so evil and it's so wicked, and it's like, how does an individual even do this? I need work on forgiving those people. And I'm certain some of you here today have people in your lives, in your circle, that it's like, dude, I can't forgive them. You may not be able to at this time, but God does forgive them. And ultimately, my prayer is that he gives us the strength and the ability to forgive them over time, including myself, including myself. Now, how can we tell if we're being changed and our repentance is genuine, it's authentic? It's once we start loving the things that God loves. In your notes, we know that we are being changed when we start acting like God acts. 
because God is the potter and we are the clay. Oh, it's kind of long. God is in the process of molding and making us into his image. What's so important about that is he's in the process. He's in the process. I have met many Christians and believers who are speaking over the years. They're like, dude, my life is good. I, I don't have anything that I need to grow in. And I'm thinking, dude, you've got to look in the mirror again. You've got to self-evaluate. And, and some of you even came here today and saying, Dan, it's like, dude, no, I'm good. No, you're not. You're not good until you're in heaven where you're a person staying with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You still have a lot self-examining to do. And I say that that's prideful if you come here this morning saying that. We must humble ourselves in front of our Lord, guys, because we all have work that we need done in and through us. Jonah's story, if you notice, it ends with a question. God asked Jonah, should I not have compassion on Nineveh? Should I not be concerned about that great city? Should I not love the people there? Man, Jonah. Of course, the answer we all know is yes, right? Because God loves people. He loves all. He's always more concerned about people. But there's a great difference here in this passage between Jonah and Jesus. God loves the people. (laughs) But Jonah, he was being selfish. Jonah loved the plant more than he did people because he was more concerned with his comfort than he was with his character. He would rather be comfy and cozy. I don't know if there were blankets back then, probably with his leaf. Like, dude, I'm good. I'm chilling right here. I don't care about anyone else but myself. He was being selfish. He was being self-centered. He could care less about the condition of Nineveh. He cared about himself. Now, some of you here this morning, maybe are only caring about yourself, but I'm hoping and praying that that breaks here this morning. Next in your notes. In the middle of your pain, Do you care more about being comfortable or about loving and growing closer to Jesus Christ? Next in our notes, three things we could learn from the book of Jonah. I had to make it three. I said, be here for three hours speaking. (laughs) Number one is God loves people. God loves people. Because God loved the people in Nineveh. He loves you and I. You understand something, though? This is fascinating. Nineveh is your neighbor next door. Nineveh is the teller at the bank. Nineveh is the person who doesn't crack a smile at Walmart. Nineveh is the guy next to you in line pumping gas. It's the person you bump in the store with. It's the neighbor or relative that you haven't seen in years' time because you're so mad at them. Nineveh is the pregnant teenager that should have known better. Nineveh is the person that you saw all tatted up with pierces that we judge without even getting to talk to them and knowing anything about them. Nineveh is everyone, even those you may not like. Every single person is Nineveh, but yet God loves them all and forgives them all. And it's a command. He calls us to do the same. He tells us to do the same. So don't miss this. Nineveh is not just a place. It is people. And wherever you find people, there you find Nineveh, both in its splendor and power and glory and all greed as well, brutality and evil. 
It's all there mixed together. The good, the bad, the ugly, the light with its darkness. Both you and I live in Nineveh. The message is clear, though. God loved Nineveh so much because he loves people. He loves the people who make their living in the big city in L.A. He loves the people working in the country. And he loves us in Apple Valley. And the story of Jonah is that God wants Nineveh saved. God is willing to do anything to save his people because he built a mansion for all of us. But we have to accept him and believe in him and choose to follow him. Next in our notes, the second reason why is God's plan for saving people involves people. It's so cool to me that even though Jonah was being a complete jerk, that God still sent Jonah to preach. God uses people oftentimes to help lead others to save. Jonah was reluctant. He was rebellious and stubborn, but God got his attention finally. After spending the three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, Jonah finally went. Let me ask you this morning, what is God calling you to do? There's something he's been calling you to do. What is it? (laughs) Keep asking. He'll tell you. (laughs) Have you ever been reluctant? Has God ever been pulling in your heart to maybe serve, to maybe be in ministry more? Whatever the case may be, it doesn't even have to be something at church. God is pulling at your heart. but Maybe you've been so reluctant or you've been rebellious just because you don't want to listen to God or you don't want to do what he's telling you to do. Trust me, I've been there a lot. But God has a way to grab my attention a lot. What will God do to you to grab your attention? What will God have to do for you to obey him? Why in the world, right? We're such stubborn and sometimes stupid people, huh? Like, why in the world don't we just listen to God in the first place? Like, the first time he says it, right? It'd be so easy to be like, God said this. Just do it. Because why? Because God said to do it. It's basic. It's easy. But we're selfish people. We really are. Number three, my favorite, God's willing to do whatever it takes to save people. You might ask, how far is God willing to go to save the people of Nineveh? He was so intent on their salvation that he would never let go of Jonah. Because Jonah, he wanted to be used to go there and preach the word of God. God did what he needed to do to get get Jonah there. And finally, finally he would go and he went and he would preach and people would be saved. And that is because Jesus is the plan all along. He's the plan for everything, for you and myself. God set Jesus for you and me, and he was not stubborn in doing so. He was not rebellious. He came for you and I willingly. As we know it, John 3, 16 tells us so. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. As I was Thinking about this for a moment, man, like I get choked up because God's action time and time again, God every time does what he says he does, right? God's, that's because God's actions speak even louder than his commands and his words. He follows through time and time again. God never let Jesus off the hook, guys. 
on the cross, right? He gave his son for us. And Jesus was like, he prayed that the cup might pass him, right? But it didn't. And that's because in the same way, God had a plan for our salvation all along. And God was willing to do whatever it took to save you and me. And he did it by giving up his one and only son. That's amazing. Y'all are going through some hard times, man, and I know it. I'm going through some hard times, too, and there is nothing like the power of prayer and belief in our Lord and Savior. But, man, when I hear this, it gives me so much hope of just how much love our Creator has for me and you, and it's just overwhelming at times. And that is what pushes me to continue to move forward and persevere, holding on to the love that Jesus Christ for all of mankind no matter how wicked we were and lord you know what i thank you for jonah because i'm like him a lot of times unfortunately but i could relate to him i thank you for even in giving us an autobiography of a man that was so prone to wander away from you that you have encouraged me and caused me to want to run to you more lord because when we run away from you it just doesn't go well so i ask you here this morning, Lord, to do what you do, to give us the courage by your Holy Spirit this morning to run to you. I know there are people in this room who've been running away from God for far too long. This morning, I pray and have belief that you would capture their heart once again. Would you convict their heart? Would you make them repent? By your Holy Spirit in the next few minutes as we come to a close, Lord. And all of us, would we unify as the body of Christ and come into an agreement how good you are, Lord. And come into an agreement that we need a lot of work to do. That we need to forgive others as we want to be forgiven. And ending by this, three encouragements this morning for you guys. The first one. Don't forget what God has done for you. When we're in the storm right now, man, it is so easy to forget and say, but look what God's done for me lately because we have that kind of mentality as human beings. But look at what God has done for you. I always think of this. If there is nothing else in our life at all that Jesus does for us, the cross and him dying and then rising three days later for us is more than any of us deserve. It's worth it all. And so much more, the pain, the agony, the hardships, the trials that we go through every single day. It's worth it to see our creator face to face one day. Be excited when people come up and celebrate with them when they ask God to be wiped clean from their slate. Because what does God do? He washes our sin white as snow. And number three, thank God for his relentless pursuit of us. And he will do anything to send us to heaven. He will do anything to wake us up so we could see him again one day in heaven. And man... For us not to be selfish, judgmental, and prideful anymore. Jesus is telling us here that he will care more about people's salvation 
than one man's ego. That's amazing, or anyone's ego for that matter. John 14, 2 tells us, created a mansion. It says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. My prayer for today, before we leave, is that any sin hindering us from walking in obedience to Christ is broken this morning. That is my prayer. My prayer is that we learn to repent and we learn to obey and we teach ourselves discipline and that we can come to Jesus Christ with all of our problems, all of our pain, all of our sorrow, all of our suffering, and we lay it and surrender it to Jesus Christ. I want to pray for all of us right now. Heavenly Father, it is such an honor to preach your word. Lord, I I don't feel deserving, Father God, but man, I am so thankful for your grace. I'm so thankful for your mercy. And man, when we, we have hardships and we don't want to forgive those people who just drive us crazy, may we think about the cross and what you've done for us. When it should have been us on that cross, you sacrificed your one and only son on it. And you didn't hesitate for us. May we not hesitate to forgive. Not only those that are easy to forgive, but the stubborn, the ones that annoy us, the ones we can't stand, Lord, at times. May we not only learn to forgive them, may we learn to love them how you love us and you love the church. We love you, Father God. I pray that people come forward asking for forgiveness and prayer of any kind. We're here for them. We love you. And all God's people said, amen.